What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the show, I sat down with a loan officer extraordinaire who also helps real estate agents build their influence on social media, specifically through video. He's closed over 600 loans in his lifetime, and he can close them in under 10 days. Welcome to the show, Carl Svensson. Welcome to the show today, Carl. How are you doing? I'm blessed, Dan. Thanks for bringing me on. Yeah, always great to have a loan officer on, especially right now, March 2023. Crazy times we live in. You know, the the rates jumped up a lot, Q3, Q4, then started coming back down in January, then some economic indicators made everyone think, you know, the Fed would get more aggressive in February and then the inflation battle wasn't over. So we saw them go from like sixes back to sevens. And then all that changed recently with these banking meltdowns, right? Yeah. We still have some certain dates that people are on the lookout for. Like, yeah. you know, Barry Habib's kind of renowned as the, the person that's been the most accurate with market predictions. And, you know, like back in October, he circled a date for us on when, you know, rates, we're going to, you know, make some moves. And then we saw here, you know, in March, when the jobs report came out, he was spot on again with, you know, significant improvement. But then that was, you know, exasperated because of the bank failures. So, you know, now he still has a date circled for us in May, but until we get to May 10th, we're probably going to be up, up and down. What's May 10th overall? What's going on then? What do we need to look at for May 10th? You don't know? No. No. All right. Something's happening May 10th with mortgage rates. Uh, and we're going to be watching. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I, I think it's, you know, this year, like the last year has been quantitative tightening. And now a lot of people are arguing that what's been going on is bigger and bigger than ever quantitative easing, right? Because the, the, the Fed not only said, Hey, we're going to guarantee deposits over 250. Uh, they also said, banks, you can you can borrow from us using your your bonds and, and as collateral, and you can value those at par, not market, right? So the banks are holding all these longer term bonds, and then the value of them, market value goes down when the when the rates go up, right? So the Fed kind of like destroyed the value of all these banks' bonds. But now they're saying you don't have to value them at market value. You can value them at the par value, which so a lot of people are arguing that's like a $600 billion implied injection, which is more quantitative easing. You know, Peter Schiff, uh, if you follow him, he's, he's said basically in one week the Fed threw more money back in the system than they took out of it in the last four months. And that in another week, he thinks you know, the Fed balance sheet will be bigger than it was before quantitative easing. There's a whole other camp too that says that like what the Fed's doing doesn't technically qualify as quantitative easing, but it feels like it when you look at what rates have done, what the 10 year has done, right? Like going from four, 4% four to mm -hmm. down to three fours. <laughs> right. And it recently broke the 200 day moving average. So, you know, we'll see likely more, more movement downward because once you break a and moving average, that wall resistance kind of no longer is going to help prop up that, that certain point. 
Um, but with the with the recent bank bailouts, you know, there's less money in those funds for reserves and stuff. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Fed decides to handle that. Inflation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, taxation through inflation. There's already so much uncertainty, you know, yeah. at those Fed meetings because most of what investors do with their money is based on what the, what the Fed chairs say, um, you know. And if you're keeping up, then you'll see that a lot of the time they're they're out of touch with their statements because data lags. All their statements have really been based on the data that they've been seeing, and you know, data is. Data is going to lag a month or two behind what's actually happening in the markets. I don't know why anyone actually believes a word that they say. If you think about it, a year ago they were telling us inflation is transitory, right? Now they're saying they need to fight it. Now that, or they were. Now they're worried about the banks, and they're not really fighting it. But do you really think they they believed inflation was transitory, like? I mean, these are smart people, right? They all went to Ivy League schools and all that good stuff. Like, did, did they really, did they really believe that inflation was transitory, or were they just BSing us? I would lean more on that. There's some personal <laughs> motives behind their statements. Yeah. I mean, there's probably a reason why they didn't. They wanted everybody to not panic and, right. you know, just kind of ride the storm until they were forced to respond, but. I mean, some people have come out and said that, you know, the, the Fed meeting this week, they're, they're likely not going to raise rates in response to, you know, the bank yeah. failures. Because if they keep raising rates, then it's just going to create the bond. It's going to create more of a, of well, a challenge with the, with the spread this, on the bond. This episode will, I think, deliver right after that meeting. So, yeah, who knows? Uh, I think the market was saying, but prior to the bank failure, it was like 50-50 between will it be a 25% hike or 25 basis point hike or a 50. Mm -hmm. Now I think the 50 is off the table and most people are thinking 25, but there's a decent chunk saying zero. <laughs> where, where do you think we'll end up, uh, you know, the end of the year? Where, any, any insight on that or, or predictions? You pull out your crystal ball or... <laughs> Well, what's the industry saying, actually? Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of people are kind of looking towards October, November for some good improvement okay. because, I mean, we'll we'll see how inflation responds now that all this extra money is getting injected into the market. So that may change things. It just depends on how inflation numbers look over these next couple of months. But mortgage interest rates historically follow inflation more than anything if you put the two charts together of like you know the last 10 20 years of where the inflation metric was and where mortgage rates were they are pretty identical right so you know our, our worst months for inflation was in october november of, of 22 and it's based on a 12 month rolling average right, so that'll fall off yeah so those those months won't matter anymore when we okay. get to october november so that that should make interest rates respond you know to buyer's benefit. Now, you guys at USA Mortgage, you have a, a program where, I mean, you do a number of things to help buyers today, right? You've got the different rate buy-down things you do, but then you also have something where if someone gets a mortgage today and a year from now, they're, they're, they're lower, they can, they can refinance for free, right? Or, Yes, I don't want to misspeak. So, what what are you guys doing in terms of rate buy downs and refinance? Yeah, it's considered a lender paid refinance okay. where we're going to pay the title fees for the title company to do the new closing. 
There's recording charges to record the new mortgage at the courthouse. Not all refinances require an appraisal, but if it does, we'll pay for that. And the way that we're doing that is essentially the loan officer is waiving their compensation. So that way the buyer can still get that, that refinance. So it's, it's truly a lender paid refinance because everything else is still the same. You know, it's just based on, you know, how, how far rates move on, on what their improvement is. But, um, the, the temporary buy downs have been super popular because you have the ability to drive your rate down further than on a permanent one. And then, you know, let's just say they do a one or two year option. If we're sitting here, you know, November, December and rates went down 1%, well, then they can do that refinance to the permanent lower 1% rate. And then there's still money left in that escrow account from the temporary buy down that they can throw at their loan balance or, you know, put it towards the interest rate okay. to get it even lower. So, so they're not wasting it, which is pretty cool. Cause some, I've seen other programs where if they do the, if they pay for the rate buy down and then they refinance to a lower permanent, they kind of like wasted that money. But this, right. this program, they're not. Yeah. Cause the, on the permanent one, yeah. you know, as you know, it's a one-time fee paid to the lender. You never get that money back. And on the temporary one, it's money that gets set aside in an escrow account. So, I mean, you can pay it as the buyer, but it, it doesn't really make sense to pay it as the buyer because sure. you're, you're better off just putting that extra money in your own interest-bearing account or an right. investment fund, you know, instead of letting your lender hold it. So the way that we set it up is, you know, in a perfect world, we ask the seller to pay it. But if we can't get the seller to pay it, because, you know, there's often very, you know, competitive situations for buyers, we'll just do it as a lender paid. What, um, what else do you do to help realtors, you know, like this is a great example of how you're helping real estate agents have more tools to help their buyers overcome the fears right now. Um, but I think another good tool you have in your pocket is the speed at which you can get things done, um, which can matter if there's competition. Like you guys have been able to close loans in what, like nine days? Right. Yeah. I mean, the fastest one we ever did was eight days. Okay. But eight. I mean, we can promise like a, a 14 day closing all the time. So, but we've I mean, done eight before. Yeah. Then, well, legally, you can't close faster than that. Okay. So, so that's done, kind of what you, you run into the legals there. But you've done what, what Barney, Frank, and Chris Dodd uh, have said you could legally do. Right. Speed. Okay. But Dodd Frank to act. Yeah. yeah so, my first conversation with most buyers. Which, by the way, do you know Barney Frank was on, on one of the boards yeah. of one of these failed banks? Well, and then funny because he wrote all the banking re regulations. Then there's that other guy from Lehman Brothers. That guy, yeah. he had yeah. a resume, right? Yeah. It's interesting. These guys uh, keep keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll still find another job. So. But so, so, eight days is like uh, everything has to be legal, timeframes, disclosures, right? Uh, 14 is kind of the promise, but nine ish, 10 is well within your guys' wheelhouse to, to close a deal. And at that point, you're pretty much giving your buyers, um, you know, that are using, uh, loans, you're giving them the ability to almost act like cash, like almost the same benefits to the seller. Yeah. I mean, so, you, so you're, so real estate agents, like if you find a lender like Carl, He's got the different interest rate programs, buy down programs, free refinances, and speed. You're giving your buyers a huge advantage in the market. Yeah. My, my first conversation with the buyer is, you know, you'll determine how quickly you can close, but right. ultimately the 
you know, if they don't want to close in 14 days, I still let them know that, you know, we're going to communicate that to the listing agent right. to let them know how strong of a buyer they are and to help their offer, you know, be differentiated from all the others, you know, and the, the real value add is that it's going to give them the most negotiating power. I mean, because I had one last month where there were three other higher priced offers and they took our offer because of speed. Wow. Yeah. Speed. Speed definitely matters. Another thing that matters too, last thing we'll kind of touch on here is helping real estate agents get more business through social media. I know you're partnered with Jeff Fitzer, who's got like, uh, you know, real estate business school, drunk on social. He's got all these different, I'm probably saying the names wrong, but he's got all these different <laughs> platforms where, you know, he educates real estate agents and lenders on how to use social media to get more business. What specifically or, or, or how can you, help real estate agents with their social media and video to get more business. Uh, I like to team up and, you know, help create content because I mean, that's, you know, usually where a lot of people hit the wall. It's like, I want to get started, but I don't know how to create content or captivating content at that point, you know? Um, and so, I mean, I, I've done a, 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 you know, a bunch of collaborations with agents where, you know, we just either will, do an Instagram reel together, or we'll do like, you know, a pre-recording on StreamYard or something where they can go back afterwards and they have, you know, they can make like three or four reels out of that one StreamYard clip that we shot in like 20 minutes. And it's providing value to their audience instead of, you know, in like, you know, for me, I mean, I follow, like my whole network is pretty much real estate agents on social. So like when I go down my feed, it's just, completely covered with closing pictures. Right. You know, and it's like, it, at the end of the day, like your client's not going to really engage with that. They're, they're not interested in your closing photos. They're, they're interested in how, you know, stories, like storytelling is probably the most captivating, easiest way to create content. So if you can tell a success story, you know, something that you did that, you know, provided value to somebody or you know, like a tough situation. I mean, people are more likely to tune into a short form story than they are to, you know, engage with your closing photo. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's huge value that you add. It's, you know, you're, you're giving them ideas, you're giving them support. You're also kind of giving them accountability on doing it. If people want to learn how to work with you to make more video content for social media, how should they connect with you? Uh, find me on Instagram as the Carl Svensson. Uh, the Instagram is probably my, my okay. main Con connection with people. for them. So there's like yeah. probably 200 ways to spell what you just said. Yeah. T-H-E-K-A-R-L-S-V-E-N-D-S-E-N. Um, yeah. Connect with me on Instagram. That's, that's really where I do most of my stuff. Um, and I mean, the way that the platform's set up now, you can do collaborating reels, you know, and then it just, it goes to both people's sphere of influence. Right. You know? So it's, it's much easier for you to be able to get, so, pick up uh, more followers, build your audience. And, you know, just reach more people. We'll make sure to put your IG handle in the show notes and YouTube description. Uh, thanks for being on the show today, Carl. Can't wait to have you back on uh, maybe in a few weeks. Get a little market update on what the what in the world's going on with interest rates here. And uh, real estate agents, if you're watching, listening to this, reach out to Carl if you want to learn more about how he can you know, help your buyers. Um, with all the different programs we talked about and help you to get more effective on video on social media. So thanks for being on the show today, Carl. Thanks for bringing me on.
All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in and watching. Please make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and share this episode with other real estate agents that you think would benefit from learning as well. We'll see you next time.